0: This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com.
1: I remember this guy playing for the Buccaneers back when I was in my early 20s. That must mean I'm getting old.
0: Nah, I remember Claude Humphrey playing, so what's that say about me? <laughs> You're really old.
1: <laughs> Let's get right to an interview I taped with former Tampa Bay Buccaneer great Derek Brooks. I see that you grew up in, uh, at, in Florida. Was Florida State your primary choice for college or were you looking at other colleges back then? You
0: no, know, Florida State was uh you know my primary uh college choice and you know, I actually chose Florida State. I chose Florida State uh off proximity, to be honest with you. When I was being recruited, man, some of these colleges were starting to sound the same and I said, hey, no matter where I go, I'll get a good education. So <laughs> I was laying down one day, and I said, man, what if something happened to me? You know, my parents, they need to get to me. So the closest university to the Pensacola, Florida, was Florida State, and that's why I ended up going <laughs> to go to Florida State.
1: So you had no interest in going to the U?
0: Uh, You know what? I, I, they want my list to visit, but as I said, at the end of the day, <laughs> when it boiled down to it, you know, Miami was 10, 11 hours away. <laughs> so Florida State was only two hours and 10 minutes. So that's what I bought my decision down to. Uh, when I tell people that story, uh, a lot of them can't believe, like, one well, must have been the coach. It was, it was there. So that, I say hey, they were obviously a part of it, but my fundamental decision was based on proximity.
1: What was Bobby Bowden like to play for?
0: Uh, awesome. you you're talking about. Uh, knowing the, the foundational principles to live your life with a faith-based coach, uh, in a industry of college football for, man, 50 plus years is amazing. So he set the tone and having a chance to play for Mickey Andrews, uh, defensively, uh, developing that mental toughness that I had today was awesome. And, you know, I had fun there, you know, from Wiley Brown to Jim Gladner. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, my time at Florida State with all the coaches. And then you won a
1: national championship there when you beat Nebraska. It
0: wasn't bad either, was it? <laughs> that's, that's that's another. Yeah, again, that was another thing that I embraced when I was there to be on the team that Brinkos bowed in, his first national championship after being close for so many years to finally be that team to say, "Hey, we did it." Uh, for Coach Bowden, we were part of his first. All those things are important to me. And I was blessed to, obviously, to win it, be a part of it. And, and again, I, am honored to say that, hey, we were the first in 1993 to, to bring Coach Bowden the championship.
1: You didn't make it easy, though. I mean, Nebraska was leading most of that game.
0: You know, very much so like, you know, the Albany game this year. You know, we were heavy favorites back, you know, in 93 against a team that most people, hey, they're going to blow them out. But we knew uh, it was going to be a lot tougher game than what people were projecting. And the was a tough opponent. And, and again, we pulled we the final plays down the stretch to win. But we knew going in how tough this game was going to be. And we didn't take the Nebraska lightly at all.
1: Were you scared any time during that game thinking, you know what, I don't think we're going to be able to come back in this game?
0: No, I never entered a game that way, uh, even during the game. You know, I played to win, and at uh, no point did I doubt that we were going to win that game.
1: When you got drafted by the Buccaneers, did you expect to get drafted in the bottom of the first round? Do you think you were going to go higher that year?
0: Uh, you know, without a twenty eight best player, no, <laughs> in my mind. You know, and you know, obviously uh, I was expecting the best. Uh but, you know, as I said before you know, and I say today, you know, I just want an opportunity to play and go and improve myself. And you know, I think thank God that the Bucks moved back into the first round uh to get me at number twenty eight and you know, really was instrumental in my career being played entirely here in the state of Florida. I'm grateful for that. But uh, at that time, I was just, you know, thankful that I had got drafted. I wasn't a guy that was bitter, <laughs> saying I should have been the number this pick or that pick. I just felt, hey, I was drafted where I was meant to be drafted and I embrace the opportunity that was before me. What was Coach Dungy
1: like to play for?
0: Uh, he was tough. <laughs> he coached us defensively, man. Eco's was tough, but yet it was fun. He brought discipline, consistency, and a way of doing business that changed the culture. And the fact that he came in talking about changing our community and making us all winners uh, just as much as we won games on the field so we all could win was extremely important and setting the tone for my attitude towards making a difference in the community.
1: Because, I mean, Tampa was not known as a winning football program. They had a couple of good years with Doug Williams, but other than that, they were always at the bottom.
0: Yeah, but that's, that's the intriguing part of the position that we were in to turn this franchise around. And, again, that's, uh, as I can say now, that was part of my Hall of Fame resume.
1: Who ran that defense? Did Don- Tony Dungeon Runner or was it the coordinator?
0: No, nah, you know, the defense architect was uh, actually Chuck Nolan. And Cole Dudgey obviously put his principles on it and installed it, you know, and brought it to Monty Kiffin. You know, Monty Kiffin and Cole Dudgey worked together before, but uh, I like to think it was obviously the head coach's influence and, you know, he trusted his coaches to get the teaching over to the players.
1: Like you said, he learned under Chuck Noll and there was a Chuck Noll type of defense.
0: Yeah, and again, I, you know, just hear when Cole talk about his Tampa defense, as he always get credit back to Chuck. Chuck Moe and what uh, those Steelers defenses were able to do. And obviously, he changed things up depending on our talent level that we had in Tampa. But as far as I know, uh, it dates back to Chuck Moe when you talk about some of the principles that Coach You ran defensively for us.
1: Who was the leader of the defense uh, playing out there? Was it you? Was it Warren Sapp? Was it John Lynch or Harvey Nickerson? You had so many great players.
0: Well, each position had its own leadership within its position, you know, and and at times uh, you know, it's different leaders speak up. But uh yeah, you know, g- generally our teammates looked at me as, you know, hey, well who was a leader, then I stepped up and embraced that role. But I was the type of leader, man, that the stage was big enough for everybody to shine. So each position had its own leadership and uh I like to think we did it together, to be honest with you.
1: It had to be tough to get Warren safe to keep quiet because he likes to talk.
0: Uh, like I said before, man, you got to be comfortable to bring your own skin so everybody else could be who they are. And we had that interesting dynamic, and and I said before, it worked for us here in Tampa.
1: Who was the toughest guy you went up against?
0: Uh, not really one guy. <laughs> you know, it was I had my battles, man, with all my opponents. And it was, you know, I looked at – tough battles as an opportunity to shine. I embraced the, the joy in it. You know, if it wasn't going if it wasn't going against the likes of March of Falk and Barry Sanders, then, you know, how could I step my game up? So my, going against my opponents, actually, I, I used that as motivation to bring out the best.
1: Was it hard that you never put up real big sack numbers other than that one year? I mean, because everybody thinks that like the Lawrence no. Taylor type is a linebacker getting sacks.
0: Uh my stats every year was pretty good, to be honest. You know, for far as I, see, I wasn't asked to go sack the quarterback, so that's why I don't have a lot of sacks.
1: But well, like you said, you could do it all. I mean, you got interceptions, you could cover the running backs, tackle. You weren't just one – you weren't
0: just a I sack like the special. My, yeah, I like to yeah, think, think I had a complete game. And, you know, whatever the defense asked me to do, I believe I had the skill set to do it.
1: Who did you model your game after? Any player?
0: No, I I model after myself. I try to really steady myself and get better every single year. Uh, stay in the moment was my playing model my playing motto is still is today. So it was uh yeah, you had the likes, obviously of Junior Seau. that was when I first came in the league for the four three linebacker goal. Uh, you looked to him and did Hardy Nickerson, who was on my team, instead uh, of standing at our position. But at the end of the day, I wanted to, you know, make my game my game and just try to, you know, get better every year. Do
1: you think 2002 was your best season when you were the player of the year?
0: Uh, I like to celebrate 2002 because when I received the individual award of being the best defensive player, we won the championship. So that's why it's special to me.
1: And you had that interception return for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, which had to be nice.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Some say a, a game catch and play. I was grateful. I was able to see it, catch it, run, and don't fall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How gratifying was it winning that Super Bowl? Very. it How gratifying was it winning that Super Bowl against the Raiders?
0: I think it laid validation for Tampa Bay in our Tampa Bay area go so from over twenty six when we first started to Super Bowl champions years later. And I think it was a combination of a lot of hard work, and a lot of disappointments and and obviously a lot of joys. So I think our Bay Area celebrated that championship because that's how much it meant to our cities. Did you guys kinda of feel
1: bad that Tony Dungy didn't get a chance to win that Super Bowl with you guys?
0: I feel bad every year we lost in the playoffs and didn't go first. So, uh again, Coach Gruden came. He brought a different dynamic to our football team. And, obviously, that dynamic uh, on our team helped us win a championship. But, you know, we, at the time, you know, we were blessed with the challenge of looking forward, not backwards. And I think Coach Dungey went on to have a pretty good career after Tampa.
1: <laughs> he won that Super Bowl with the Colts, which is very nice. Exactly. The thing I feel bad about, though, is like you said, you guys were 0-26 when the Buccaneers started and a guy like Leroy Salman didn't get a chance to play in a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, that's part of our history. You know, it's overcoming those type moments. Uh, everybody that played a game don't get a chance to do it. And that's playing a Super Bowl. You got Hall of Fame players that never played in a Super Bowl. So you just understand how special that opportunity is. Then you win it, it gets even more special. Was
1: there a play that stood out as your basically your favorite play in your
0: career? Uh, no, uh, I try to appreciate all the plays I made, man, in its own individuality. Uh, you know, obviously some plays meant more in, ga- in the game than others, and you tend to gravitate towards those, and you know, and I do that as well. But I try to appreciate them all. You know, I was blessed to play a lot of football in this league and I don't want to take any play that I made or, or didn't make for granted. How did you know when it was
1: time to retire?
0: I just did. You know, I was, got some calls after I got released from the Bucks and, you know, just trying to wait on the right situation for Derek and there were some situations that came close, but never one that I felt comfortable in accepting. Uh, in is a total package, and so uh, I started to really work on more transition things than I did when it comes to playing. And it kind of the process kind of took care of itself for me. It wasn't really a one moment or one day. It was just kind of things added up over time. Where I started transitioning into life after football, and before I know it, it was I was full resume written, no regrets. Time to move on.
1: I mean, you were in 11 Pro Bowls, nine-time All-Pro, but I think one of your best awards was that Walter Payton Man of the Year Award.
0: Yes, and that best recognizes the work of a lot of people behind the scenes. We talk about changing the community, uh, making life better for people. And, you know, I'm just grateful that, you know, the first year that they renamed this award after Walter Payton, you know, I was one of the co-recipients, and you know, that's life's work. That's where I feel this game gives you this platform to make a difference, and I thank God that I was able to do it.
1: How did you feel when you got the call saying that you made the Hall of Fame? I
0: was joyous, ecstatic, and uh, emotional all in one. Sometimes you, you get emotions that you can't describe, and that was one of those moments. We you may- got two more questions and I have to run. No
1: problem. I saw you on TV with the other six Hall of Famers. Some of these guys had to wait 20 years like Ray Guy and Claude Humphrey. Do you think it's more rewarding to have to wait or going in the first time?
0: You know what, that's not for me to judge. Uh, I'm blessed that I was the first bowser. At the same time, I'm blessed that I get a chance to be a part of history with Ray Guy being the only full-time partner going into this game. You know, I me and she's in this game going into the of fame Claude Humphrey, one of the best defensive ends of his era, and seeing how appreciative he is, to say, look, he's in with me, you know, all the years. Doesn't matter. The fact is he's going into football more times in 2014, I get a chance to share that with him. So uh it's not for me to judge, it's, it's is for the process is for me to appreciate. Uh, I was a part of the 2014 class, and God blessed me to be a part of it with these guys, and I'm accept my role in it.
1: Who's going to be your presenter?
0: Still working on it. I want to, you know, all the press are told, all the for everybody can present. <laughs> but I got some time to decide that. But I want my kids uh, to be as much a part of this process as possible.
1: Elliot, very few players are like Derek Brooks, winning a national championship at college and also in the NFL.
0: An impressive uh, resume, an impressive football player, and an impressive person.
1: Tell you one thing, when everybody says uh, Brian Urlacher was the best linebacker of the 2000s, I think they're forgetting Derek Brooks here.
0: You know, Bears fans may disagree with you, but I think most other people would go with Derek Brooks. If you ask
1: Lovie Smith what linebacker he'd start a team with, I don't think it would be Lance <laughs> Briggs or Brian Urlacher. I think it would be Derek Brooks. Again, thanks for listening to Sports and Torts here on TalksOn.com. I'm David Spada, along with Elliot Harris, and tune in again next week for another great show.